This is Patrick Patterson, and you're listening to the NTTB Podcast. Welcome into episode 26 of the NTTB podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex, joined in by my co-host, Anthony. What's good? And uh, we we just got done with the uh, trade deadline. And, man, it started off like like it was going to be something huge for us. And it just kind of, you know, it just kind of went down and just kind of type thing. You know, it just kind of nothing happened. And, I mean, it was that way for a lot of teams. You know, other than the Cavaliers basically reshaping their entire roster. Shipping out six dudes. Yeah, shipping out six guys and bringing in four. Um, other than that happening, you know, basically everybody in the league standed pat. You know, everybody stayed kind of like where they were at. Um, I don't know if people were asking, you know, teams were asking for too much for their available players or if that whole – I mean, I have a theory on it, um, but I just want to kind of get your view on what happened on Thursday. Well, I was I was hoping for one of these. Mm-hmm. You know, hit me hey. hit with one of those. You know, like yeah, the, it, it the, basically was the low sounding one that <laughs> happened in reality. But. Um, and nothing really. I mean, the Cavs made huge moves, uh, considering the assets that they had. They made some huge moves, yeah. reshaped that. But outside of that, it was your typical NBA tread deadline, minor moves here and there, nothing that shook the foundation, um, you know, because Blake Griffin had been traded the week before. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, no, nothing groundbreaking, nothing nothing foundation-shaking. Um, I had heard that teams um, like the Hawks mm-hmm. were willing to take on salary uh, yeah, that's... because they have plenty of cap space, but they were wanting, you know, First round draft picks in, in in exchange for them for you guys dumping your salary on them. You know, it's, it was weird. It was like, like you had teams holding out players that they basically said, "Hey, you are available. We're probably going to trade you. We don't want you to get hurt." Tyreek Evans, yeah, Tyreek Evans, Marco Bellinelli. We, you know, basically, hey, we want you to go ahead and kind of chill out for these next couple games. Don't get hurt, and we're probably going to trade you. And then come you know Thursday at three o'clock Eastern, two o'clock Central. They're still on the team. Yeah. You know, it's, it has to be a little bit weird to be like, okay, I'm packing up my stuff, and then you know, I'm still here. Yeah. Um. So I mean, just okay. So so the Thunder didn't make a move. What no. What does that say to you? It's a little nerve wracking mm-hmm. for me. <clears throat> I was one that I've said several times on this. I I want the Thunder to go out and get Avery Bradley. Yeah. Um. I think he's a piece that can fill in in the short time for this team. And help fill in the gaps that was left by Robertson, and also, you know, be a guy who can score eight to ten points mm-hmm. on any given night. <clears throat> and nothing happens. I, you know, I guess Sam Presti has built up enough trust that we can just sit back and relax. So my guess is he's waiting on the waiver wires, yeah, um, to pick up players there. You know, we had the open roster spot to begin with, and now we have that extra roster spot with Andre Robertson going down. So that's. We don't have an extra. No, we still have that one. Well, we have we have that yeah. one, but we also need to replace 
that position that with Robertson was yeah. is what I mean. You uh, know, so so like so I was I I I kind of got myself hyped up, you know, thinking that we were going to do something. You know, I put out a big old article and and literally on on trade deadline Thursday, I was on Twitter just acting a fool, man. I was I was sending out tweets. I was you know saying that you know Sam Presti usually does his best work on trade deadline like 10 minutes before the trade deadline. So I was, you know, putting out tweets that, you know, around 1 o'clock that he was just now getting up from, from his sleep and was eating his cocoa puffs and things of that nature. And I, I, literally, I really thought that the Thunder were going to do a big-time trade deadline-type deal, like right at the deadline, uh, and nothing came to fruition. Nothing kind of, you know, developed. And I don't, I don't know if that was necessarily – Teams were asking for too much. Um, I don't know if teams were looking at their assets and almost everybody was asking for that first rounder, which we didn't have. Right. Um, but it was just it was just a little bit weird that you went into it and you heard so many names available and nobody made moves. I mean, the top five teams in the in the Western Conference, none of them made moves. So we're talking about Houston, Golden State. Uh, San Antonio, uh, who else? Uh, Oklahoma Minnesota, City and Minnesota, Oklahoma City. Nobody made a move. You know, even the teams like outside of the Cavaliers, you know, the top teams in the East didn't make a move. Boston didn't make a move. Um, you know, uh, Toronto didn't make a move. Milwaukee didn't make a move. Yeah, the only one I guess you could probably say is Miami, but that was you know they're bringing back Dwayne Wade. Man, that's for a conditional, highly protect, yeah, a highly protected. 2024 second round it was pick? it was basically just look we're gonna do you a favor send you we're over we're gonna here. right your wrong basically exactly exactly um so yeah it was it was, it was just a, it was a little bit weird and and my theory on this is that the mistakes from the summer of 2016 were coming back to bite people in the butt to bite teams in the butt and so teams weren't teams Teams are basically at the point now. Let's say like a Portland. Let's say like, um, you know, like like let's say Brooklyn. Let's say teams that have made mistakes over these last five years, as far as signing players. You know, Charlotte. They're basically saying, "Hey, we did mess up, but we're not going to put ourselves in further position to mess up for five years from now. So we're not going to make moves right now that don't completely um, benefit us if." You know, two to three years from now, those contracts that we signed in 2016 are going to start expiring, and we're going to have more and more and more cap space. Yeah. From that point on, there's a lot of bad contracts out there. It was horrible. Those, are, yeah, the, 20, the summer of 2016 was just it, it decimated people. Like you know, you look at you look at the Lakers, and the Lakers did a great job during this trade deadline to go ahead and kind of get back to that point where they have cap space. But the last time they had cap space on 2016, they decided to sign Luol Dang and Timothy Mozgov. To big time contracts, you know. Let's see what happens this time around, um, as far as who they sign, as far as what they do with that money. Um, but what what do you think this says about the Thunder's future? It, is it something to worry about? Is it something to kind of look at? And I don't know. It's just, it, it's, it's potentially frightening considering how we're over the luxury cap now, and next year we will really be yeah over the luxury super cap. far over the luxury cap. Um, and you know we're a small market team, and normally small market teams, they 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 put their toes into the luxury cap, but they don't, mm-hmm. you know, they don't dive in head first. Yeah. And we're on the verge of diving in head first, and you wonder, um, can the organization 
can can they achieve that or is mm-hmm. it possible to sustain that and then you look at this, the league the way the league is built right now you basically have to uh extend your franchise over a whole in order to be able to compete yeah you do that, that's just the way the league is built uh partly because of golden state warriors partly because of miami uh, partly because of Cleveland, and we're talking about Miami, the LeBron years. Mm-hmm. You know that you just had to go out and get superstars and and be willing to be over the luxury tax at all costs to in order to compete, and that's just how it is right now. Yeah. And so the summer of 2016, with the uncapped year, they get the revenue boosts or not uncapped, but I mean they get the revenue. Yeah, basically boost. everybody got extra money. <laughs> they got the TV money. There was no uh, normally leading up to that. It was a controlled amount of. Uh, mm-hmm. Money that it was steadily increased uh, every year to basically balance out the yeah. amount of money that each team has in the, the 2016. They just gave it to everybody, and then people just went buck wild with these contracts. And yeah, in a, in a normal year, Golden State would not have been able to get Kevin Durant. You know, in a normal year, Golden State doesn't have enough money to get Kevin Durant, and so in order to get Durant, they either have to decimate their team or you know, they, they couldn't get him. Or, or it would have to be a situation where Durant signs a smaller deal because he wants to go with them. Um, but that year, everybody got an extra, you know, 20 to $30 million, um, in revenue, basically. And, you know, they were able to do things that they weren't able to do in previous years. So some teams made smart decisions. Some teams made dumb decisions. And so those teams that made dumb decisions, you know, it's getting to a point now where, you know, they're starting to wonder how they can kind of, I guess, right their wrongs from those from that year. Um, but some of them are just basically saying, look, we're going to keep these contracts. We're going to go ahead and move forward with this. Um, we're not going to put ourselves in a position to to kind of injure ourselves waiting for these contracts to expire. Um, so, I mean, that's, I think that's what it sounds like, this whole trade deadline or this lack of a trade deadline um, kind of, kind of turned out to be. I, I don't know what that says about the future of the trade deadline as far as how teams make moves. I think teams make more moves now uh, during the draft and maybe the beginning of free agency as opposed to doing it at the trade deadline uh, like it used to be before. Well, I think you also have a situation where a lot of these teams that have money and a lot of these teams that have room to take on other contracts or whatever mm-hmm. have drafted properly, and so they have young up-and-coming stars yeah right they have young talented stars um and they have room to go out and get veterans and whatever to reshape their team but you look at it in in a twofold way one you you know your star's not ready and or the team's not ready Mm -hmm. as far as maturity experience whatever yeah and two uh that move doesn't help you in 2007 2018 right uh because you know, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion, right? That Golden State, Houston, and maybe Boston, um, and at the you know early on in the season, the Cavs. It was basically down to those four teams, right? Yeah. Um, and with everybody thinking that Golden State still had the best roster out there possible, and so these organizations look. I would imagine these general managers look, and they think, and they're like, "Well, this move doesn't help me in the short term." Mm. So let's not gamble the future of our young stars or let's not give away some of our young stars to get some of these veterans that may not even get us to the Eastern Conference Finals or Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at it, let's say you look at a team like Chicago. Chicago at the beginning of the year was kind of like the laughing stock of the, 
of the league as far as you know trading away Jimmy Butler for just an ACL torn recovering Zach Levine. Uh, what else did they trade him for? Just you know, it, it looked like Little scrap, pieces, like yeah. yeah, scrap parts, and then a flip of their first round draft picks instead of just taking Minnesota's first round uh, draft pick for themselves. And so you look at them, and they were kind of a laughing stock. But you look at them now. Levine looks like it doesn't look like he has any remnants of the ACL injury. Um, Markinen looks like he's going to be this generation, this next generation's maybe Dirk Nowitzki. He was the fastest NBA player to hit a hundred threes. Yeah, yep, and uh, in his career, yeah. And then you know Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn was another guy that was included in that Minnesota trade, and Chris Dunn didn't do too well in his first two seasons in Minnesota, but he comes to Chicago and they give him the ball, they give him time to develop. And he's slowly starting to turn into a serviceable point guard in this league. And so you're, you have three pillars of your team that are already established now that are developing together. And so moving forward, you know, you're probably going to get a good draft pick this year. You start to build with that. And then eventually you start to get, you know, the team that you won in Chicago. Maybe eventually you get some veterans in there and that thing turns around pretty quickly. Um, so teams are looking at that and they're looking for those types of situations now instead of just, going for the home run basically so they're they're okay with with hitting a couple singles and loading up the bases which is what basically Chicago's doing instead of going for that home run and completely striking out maybe like Brooklyn did a couple years ago yeah. and then setting yourself up for failure for the next half decade to a decade well I also think it seems like first of all uh with what Corey Altman mm-hmm. the general manager Kobe, Kobe Altman uh I'm sure just out of nowhere a rookie uh, GM for the Cavs just pulled off these massive deals. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that situation in Cleveland seems untenable between LeBron James and front office and all that other stuff. If you listen to everything that's being reported, if, yes. A- exactly. If you believe everything that's being reported. But that's definitely got to give some credibility uh, to the relationship between LeBron James and Kobe Altman, right? Mm-hmm. He basically, you asked for people and he transformed your roster. You went from old, aging guys to young 25-year-old dudes. Yeah, it was, it was a hell of a transformation. So, and also, you know, for a, for a rookie general manager, that's, that's something, you know, sometimes you only see veteran general managers pull off these type of trades, and mm-hmm. you were able to do it in your first season as a general manager. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is it seems like everybody's waiting out Golden State because come that's true. 2018, 2019 – it just it's not feasible that they're going to be able to pay everybody. So after after next season, Clay Thompson comes up. And then the season after that is Draymond, Draymond Green. And, and you know somebody, you know somebody's going to offer cuz I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think Clay Thompson is taking a pay cut. No. And I don't think Kevin Durant is giving up more money. Mm-hmm. So you know somebody's going to offer him big time money and you know he's going to be like, "Cool, I got two rings." Uh, three piece. rings probably yeah, or, by that or, point or yeah, three, three rings, to four whatever. rings by that point uh you know i'm cool i'm i'm it's all about the money now it my legacy is good yeah it was great you know i'm i'm already probably a hall of fame player because of the championships and because of the, all the all-star games right. or whatever yeah i i could definitely see that and i can definitely see teams around the league just saying <laughs> you know what we're not going to win in the next 2 to 3 seasons you know it's better just to sit back watch the dynasty crumble because that's what happens to dynasties they they eventually crumble um, and in the meantime, build up our team, build up our assets, and whenever that hits the hit, you know, hits the fan, we'll go ahead and start to kind of, you know, really ratchet it up from there. Well, and you look and you look at the rookies from 
you know, 2016, 2017 draft class. But in two years, even 2015, um, in two to three years, these guys are going to be right set for their prime. Yeah, the beginning of their prime. Uh, yeah. To compete. So you, hopefully, my hope is that the East makes a strong comeback. Mm-hmm. And so it's not necessarily a, ball, a heavy dominant West and, and, and a soft East. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope, you know, these rookies, let's look at the process. You know, the process in a couple of years should be right for, for the, right for the taking over of the, of, yeah. of the Western, oh, of hell, the Eastern Boston. Conference. Boston, when uh, Gordon Hayward comes back, should be right there. But even with that, I mean, Boston is, the, the smart thing about Boston is that they're set up not just with young superstars, because Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving are not that old. They're 25 and 26. Yeah, 25 and 26. But they're set up with two guys. One's a rookie. One's a second-year player. Jalen Brown and uh, – That are essential parts of their core. Yeah. And these guys are playing very well. It seems like Tatum is hitting a little bit of his rookie wall now. Uh, but Jalen Brown is doing real good. And, and con- you know, he was in contention for an all-star spot there uh, from the East. So, you know, it's things like that. You have to – number one, you have to be patient – Number two, you have to make smart moves. You can't go for the home run every time. Yes, you know if you have the assets available to you, go for the home run. But if you do not have them, don't go for a home run when you don't have those assets. You know that's the thing about Danny Ainge that was so smart about him is that he had these all these picks in hand, and so everybody was saying, "Hey, this player is available. That player is available. Go ahead and trade." You know, one of those first round picks, and he was like, "Uh, you know what? I'm gonna wait. What's the and same I'm gonna wait. And I'm gonna wait. And then eventually, you know." Those picks, he number used one, them at the right time. Exactly, he he used some of them, and then other ones he traded them away at the right times, and so it's worked out very well, well for them. It's a, and something I was kind of proud of Kobe Altman standing on is the fact that they, because they didn't know LeBron's future and they didn't know what was going on, they were unwilling to get rid of that Brooklyn first round pick yeah. because it's going to eventually end up. They thought it was going to be a high draft pick. In reality, it's probably going to be top ten somewhere. I'm guessing somewhere around five to eight. Yeah is where I think that pick's going to land for them. But if they trade that, they're going to be, and LeBron leaves this summer, they're going to be in the exact same position in 2007 when he left them the first time. Yeah, they're going to be you set. Know, you know, sailing a ship with no rudder. Yeah. Now they have that shit. So if LeBron James comes back, well, now you can add a guy, a high draft pick, that can complement LeBron James and reshape that mm-hmm. that roster. If he doesn't, then you can pick up your next franchise guy and go from there or just start to build with a young guy yeah because the thing is so so let's talk about the moves real quick i, I want to set up the moves real quick uh that cleveland made so basically cleveland traded out they made a, a series of trades um to get their team a lot younger and basically a lot more athletic so the first trade um was it was uh the the los angeles trade right so they sent out isaiah thomas and they sent out um Channing Fry for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. I thought that was a great trade. In hindsight, you know, I, looking at it, it's a great trade now um, because Isaiah and, Thomas looked like he was destroying that locker room. Yeah, he was obliterating. Rumor is, if you again, if you believe the the reports out there, Isaiah Thomas was the one that was leading the charge against Kevin Love during the game where he had to justify why he left because he was sick. Yeah. It was Isaiah Thomas who won. Uh, they also threw in a 2018, the Cavs 2018 first-round pick. 
Oh, that went to the Lakers? That went to the Lakers I thought as well. that went to Utah. No, that went to the Lakers. Okay, so that went to the Lakers. Okay, yeah. So. I think the Utah deal was a second Oh, they got round. Jay Crowder. Yeah. I mean, and they got Jay Crowder. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so, so, they, so they threw in a first-rounder. So, basically, L.A., you know, many people are asking why L.A. would do this. You know, you, you're basically giving up two of your young guys for Isaiah Thomas and for uh, Channing Fry, two guys that are, you know, Isaiah Thomas, you don't know what you're getting with him <laughs> as far as after this season. And then Channing Frye is one of these older veterans that I'm pretty sure would probably be a candidate to be bought out. Um, he just seems like that kind of guy. Um, so why would they do this? So basically, L.A. does this because they get rid of Clarkson's contract and they set themselves up for next for this offseason to have enough money for two max contracts to be signed. Somewhere around $70 million in cap space this yeah, offseason. So $70 million plus a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. And so if you're rebuilding, if you're – Regardless of what they do, last time they had this much money, they signed, like I said, Luol Deng and uh, Mozgov. What they do this year, I mean, rumors are out there. Rumors are flying. Deng LeBron. is just sitting on the bench not playing, and Mozgov they traded to yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah, but you know, this year we're talking about, hey, LeBron, possibly Paul George, right. possibly this and that. Um, so, I mean, you know, that, that was a trade that probably benefits both teams. Right. Okay? So they do that. And then they did another trade. It's was it a three-way? Hour, hour and a half later, a three-team three team trade. trade. George Hill and Rodney Hood to the Cavaliers. They sent out Derrick Rose and Jay Crowder to Jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Johnson, Iman Shumpert, and the 2020 second-round pick to Sacramento. So that was Utah sending that out. Right. Okay. So he, the Cavs sent Rose and Crowder to Utah. Utah sent Rodney Hood to Cleveland and Joe Johnson to the Kings. And then the Cavs sent Shumpert and a 2020 pick to the Kings. 2020 first-round pick or second-round second pick? Second-round pick. So basically, the Cavs got rid of a bunch of older guys and a malcontent in Isaiah Thomas. And they got back George Hill, who's, you know, he's 31 years old. He's, I mean, he's, he's 31 years old, and he has two years and $40 million left on his contract. It's not necessarily going to look like a good – It may. I mean, the thing is, George Hill has not looked very well this season. He, doesn't, he hasn't looked like the same player he was a year ago, two years ago. Um, but he, and he still has two, you know, two years, $40 million left. But you get him. He's a serviceable point guard. Um, you get Rodney Hood, who's a, a skill, offensively skilled player that maybe has his issues – as far as character and as far as maybe playing on defense on the defensive end, but he's long, he's six foot eight, uh, wiry, rangy, and he can shoot from outside. He's shooting thirty nine percent from deep. Yeah, he's 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 a great shooter. He's he's averaging seventeen points a game. You know, sixteen seventeen points a game. Um, and then you, of course you get Clarkson, you get Larry Nance. You get younger, um, and you get your future becomes better as far as not having these heavy contracts weighing you down. Um, Rodney Hood is a restricted free agent coming up this offseason. Clarkson makes about 12, 11 to $12 million per year. And then Larry Nance is either coming up on restricted free agency or he still has I a think, year left. I think he has a year left. On his rookie deal. Yeah. So, I mean, Altman did a great job. He did a great job. Um, so then the he, la- and, the- and he kind of danced with the devil a little bit. So, he, <laughs> so I mean, if you look at this, you might be saying to yourself, why in the world would Altman set himself up to give the Lakers the cap space needed to make the big moves that they want to make this offseason, which one of those big moves may be LeBron James, signing LeBron James. But I think Altman said, you know what? That is still on the table. Let's get younger while at the same time keeping that pick. And so that way, if LeBron does leave, we can set ourselves up with a young team that could 
grow together, that can develop together and go from there. That's the way the NBA is kind of trending nowadays because outside of LeBron, nobody wants to go to Cleveland. Nobody's raising, you know, no big superstars raising their hand and saying, I'm going to sign in Cleveland. You know, so I think they did a great job. I think they did too. And then as a favor uh, to Miami that, you know, they sent Dwayne Wade to Miami for a a heavily protected 2024 second round pick. Um, I think it was great moves. They were just pulling the gun on great moves. And they, again, radically, and this isn't the first time that Cleveland's done that. Mm -hmm. So last time they sent out in total 10 players was the 2007 year where they radically uh, reshaped their roster as well for that late second half run. And it didn't work out for them. And it didn't work out in 2007. So this is about the only thing that kind of worries me with them, is that they're getting all these players in. So you got, number one, you may have chemistry issues. That's number one. Uh, But number two, you know, Clarkson, Nance, uh, Hood, as far as playoffs um, experience. They don't have it. They don't have it. So you have this team that will probably make a deep run in the East, uh, Eastern Conference Finals, maybe even Finals, and you are depending on a couple guys that have never been there. Um, and so I know that eventually, you know, you have to you, you have to be there to get that experience. You know, whenever LeBron first landed in Cleveland for the second time, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, they had never been to the playoffs either. Um, so. So I mean, that's about the only thing that I can see could kind of trip them up a little bit. But I, I do think they got better. Um, and if you're looking at, you know, a trade as far as how it makes that team, I believe this trade did make the Cavaliers better, number one. And I believe it did make them more attractive to LeBron, number two, for the future. Yeah. Do you know who they traded for in 2007? Uh, it was a Shaq. They traded... I traded it to a team that's technically no longer in existence. The Sonics? No. Mm-hmm. 2007? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What move was it? Well, uh, to Cleveland, they got Wally Zerbeck and Delonte West. Was it like Francisco Elson or something like no, that? No, they or? traded Danielle Marshall and Danielle Ira Newby. freaking Marshall. Newell. Wow. wow. Those are names that... And then, that's, that's names and then, the right and then to Chicago... Uh, they traded Shannon Brown, Drew Gooden, Larry Hughes, and Cedric Simmons. Oh, my gosh. For Joe Smith and Ben Wallace in a 2009 second-round draft. Shout out Cedric Simmons. He was, uh, he was on the OKC Hornets there. He was one of their draft picks that, um, that you know, in between that first and second season that they were here. Uh, wow, that's, that's a lot of players. And it didn't work out for them. No. You know, that they lost, I, I believe it was in the second round of Boston. or well, I don't think it was the Eastern Conference Finals. 2007, I think it was. Yeah, it, it was yeah, the Eastern to Boston. Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, that that's that's the the risk that you take uh, when you make these moves. Um, so no move for the Thunder. So we move on to the buyout market. And so I looked at the buyout market, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, got a couple players available: Joe Johnson, Marco Bellinelli. Um, yeah, I don't you know. know. I don't know if you got the Bleacher Report text today but oh i know i know yeah yeah so i'm I'm looking at these players i'm like okay you know we can get a little bit of offense here's here's the thing with the buyout market here's the thing with the buyout market you're not going to find a superstar in a buyout market that's number one okay for the most part you're not going to find a big piece in the buyout market buyout market is usually going to be high paid veterans that are involved in a trade that are added as piece in the trade and that the new team that receives them 
either as a favor to them or because they don't want them in the locker room, says, you know what? You have prorated $5 million left on your deal. We'll pay 3.5 of it, and you can go ahead and go to another team and get the rest, basically. So they're not going to be impactful players, not that much. I mean, you can have somebody that comes in and gives you good minutes, uh, but they're not usually going to be starters or things of that nature. Right. And so, you know, as the – as the buyout market kind of starts to solidify. So right now we have, you know, Joe Johnson became available. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Rose became available. Brandon Wright from Minnesota became available. And then Marco Bellinelli from uh, Hawks became available. And they're all on other teams now and not the Thunder. You know, so Johnson and Brandon Wright, they signed with Houston more than likely. Uh, they Derek, intend on, yeah. Exactly. Derek Rose will likely sign with Minnesota to go back with Tibbs. And then Marco Bellinelli has signed with the Hawks uh, on, a vet- on a veteran minimum deal. So, four players available, 0 for 4 for the Thunder. That kind of scares me right there. If we are banking, if we're banking some of our, I guess, I don't want to say hopes, but if, if, we're, you know, if we're hoping to get a player that could be a rotation player for us, um, in the future, as far as the playoff future, we've already struck out. I would have loved Marco Bellinelli as far as an offensive player off the bench. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the key struggles for the Thunder this season. Yeah, very true. Um, you know, a name I see floating out there, Tony Allen, you know, ex-OSU alum, has been in the league 13 years. For most of that, he's been one of the best defensive players in the league. He's not that anymore. You know, I'm sorry, you know, Father Time is undefeated. And Father Time has kind of grappled a hold of a lot of these players. I mean, Joe Johnson is not the same player he was. He's not the same player he was last year. He seemed like he yeah, aged he, a whole bunch. He hasn't been the same the player since he signed with. I think that deal that he signed when he went to Brooklyn just kind of like. Well, yeah, he was older then. Yeah, yeah but by, it that was, point. by that point, he just wasn't the same Joe Johnson. No, no. He's, and, and, you know, now that he's been with Utah, like last year, I think, uh, or was it last year, two years ago, the run that, that Utah made, he looked real good during that run. But this season, it seems like age has kind of, yeah. kind of gotten him a little bit. And so, so he goes to Houston, and so he'll probably be a great addition for Houston, you know, as far as somebody that just stays out. The thing about Joe John, he's not a three-point shooter. Iso Joe, he's more of an isolation player. Uh, he's more of a mid-range player. I don't know how he really works with Houston, but I guess they'll make it work somehow. I'm sure. It just seems like... As a fan of any other team, it always seems like these deals that don't seem significant now always seem to have great effects for the team oh, yeah. that signed them. Yeah, I it mean, it seems like every deal works out well. Like, you know, I, right now I'm imagining in my head Joe Johnson's going to sign there and he's going to be averaging like 15 and 10. Well, no, I, I don't think that, but I do think there will come a playoff game where Joe Johnson will come into the game and he will score 12, 14 points that Houston desperately needs to get back into a game and Houston wins that game. You know, that's what that's and that's what you're hoping for. You're not necessarily looking for a a superstar. You're looking for the Derek Fisher type. You know, the guy that you can put into a game and he can shoot a three-pointer in the corner that maybe somebody else doesn't or he has the experience to do that. Um so that's what you're looking for. So Joe Johnson goes to Houston. Brendan Wright, I'm not really a huge fan of Brendan Wright, but he's a big man. He would have been okay for us as far as being a a backup big man. He goes to Houston. Marco Bellinelli, again, like I said, I would have loved him off of our bench. 
he goes to Philly. Derrick Rose, not really a huge fan of Derrick Rose. I don't think he he works here that well. I think he only works in certain situations. Yeah, but then again, you know, nothing from us. So who? Are, I mean, are we targeting Tony Allen? I, I guess I, I guess a whole bunch of pomp and circumstance leading up to the trade deadline, <laughs> leading up to the buyout market, and blah. You know, totally Allen. I think the general assumption of every Thunder fan, rightfully so, was that when Andre Robertson got hurt, we need to fill that void he left on defense. Yeah. So that led you to to believe that at trade deadline, he was going to work his magic and get at least a comparable defender. Somebody. You know, and they were available. Marcus Smart was available. Um, Yeah. You know, Alec Alec Burks was available from Utah. Yeah. also, I think they wanted Avery the Bradley. Play. Yeah, Avery, Bra- Avery Bradley. I think Avery Bradley was to be had. And I yeah, think, honestly, I- it, you could have worked out a deal with uh, Alex Sabrinas, uh, uh, maybe Terrence Ferguson, but we had some pieces mm-hmm. where you could work out a deal and get Avery Bradley. I just, I'm a little bit, see, like I understand the patience, I understand, but I'm a little bit perturbed because. You could have gotten yourself a player that was going to be that fifth guy. You know, that, that fifth guy that you could stick in there, either whether he's starting or whether he's coming off the bench, but that fifth guy to finish out you know, the lineup, um, to finish out games, things of that nature. And you had possibly the ability to get that player, whether it be Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, um, whether it be you know, Burks from, uh, from Utah. I'm not really a huge fan of Burks. I'm more of a fan. If you were going to fill the, the Robertson spot, I'm more of a fan of Smart or Bradley. Um, but L.A., the Clippers, are. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what kind of weird stuff they're doing as far as keeping DeAndre Jordan, re-signing Lou Williams, um, not trading away Avery Bradley. But, you know, I, I just I think he could have been had, like you said, and I think in a season like this season where you're not completely sure whether Paul George is going to re-sign with us or not, I think you go for it. And the thing is, so you go for it. Maybe you trade two players for one player. So that opens up two roster spots for you. So you can go ahead and you know maybe become more attractive to those players that come open in the, in the, uh, the buyout market. They look at Oklahoma City and they're like, oh, crap, you know, not only do they got these three superstars on their team. Well, I mean, Carmelo Anthony's still kind of seen as a superstar. Yeah, he's still on that level. Yeah, they, they see that. They see Steven Adams, what he does, what he did to Golden State a couple nights ago. They see that we got Avery Bradley, and they're like, that team is going places. I want to go to that team for this three-month ride to try to get a championship. And so they don't come here. You know, we don't make the trades. They don't come here. We have one, just one spot open. It just worries me a little bit. It worries me a little bit that the team is standing pat, and the team doesn't have to stand pat. We, 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 I think we needed to make one more move. And so but the thing is, the buyout market is not necessarily closed until February 28th, March 1st. That's the deadline where you have to be off your current team to be able to sign with another team and be on their playoff roster. If you wait till March 2nd and you're still on the team and they cut you, you can't sign with another team to be on their playoff roster. So we still got a little bit of time. The playoff, the, the buyout market can still kind of work itself out, but it's just not very promising. Right it's now. not. It's not very promising at this moment. You know, I look at it and I'm like, you know, I, I see these veterans that are on these young teams, and I see somebody like, like say, a Brook Lopez. 
you know, Brooke Lopez, I would love a Brooke Lopez on his team to be a backup center, to be a, a floor spacing center type thing. Well, he, you know what Brooke Lopez can do? And initially I wasn't sold, but I'm coming around to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can he can give you those Enercantis points off the point. Yeah, exactly. Off the bench. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's you look at it and you, you see that. Um, but as far as finding somebody that can maybe be in position to take some of those minutes that Robertson gave us, there's nobody on the market. And I'm, I'm not, uh, Tony Allen, I know he has a you know a soft a soft spot in Oklahoma's heart. Um, but I mean, the man has hardly even played the season. I mean, he's had injury issues this, this season. He's 36 years old, I think. That's ancient in, in NBA talk. And as far as offensively, he's not a spot shooter. He's he's he relies a lot on his athleticism, and I don't think he has it anymore. And so it is a little it is a little bit worrisome as we head into this buyout market about who we're going to attract if we're going to attract anybody. And you were looking at some names yeah. of t- of players that aren't necessarily on rosters right now. Right. And one of the names you mentioned was Aaron Aflalo. Yes. I could see that. I could see an Aaron Aflalo coming But it in. says he's heading back to the Magic. Um, I could see a Gerald Henderson. Yeah. You know, I could see somebody like that coming in here and just being that veteran that comes in. You know, maybe... <laughs> the thing is, I think they're going to be treated like Karam Butler, and I think they're going to be given big minutes when they don't deserve big minutes. But we don't have anybody else out there. I mean, are we going to ride or die with Josh Hustis as our starting two guard now? You know, it didn't really work too well with Terrence Ferguson. We're going to ride or die with Josh Hustis, and if that doesn't work, what are we going to do? Go back to Abrinas and see how bad his defense is, and you know, have that come back up and creep up, creep up on us. Well, here's a guy that I saw, um, and it's he's not it's not a super sexy pick, but mm-hmm. I think he'll give you some minutes and some defense. Uh, Chris Humphreys. Uh, yeah, it just has the stench of the Kardashians on the stuff. And and I get it, but you know the guy. <laughs> I feel bad for I him. Think, I, I feel bad because I I know his legacy is intertwined so much with the right with, with the Kardashian with Chloe. Yeah, or with Kim, I should say. Yeah. Uh, but Chris Humphreys as a forward, he's thirty two, giving you some minutes off the bench. Uh, that's not that's not bad. It's not. I mean, he developed. It's his, not great, but it's not bad. He developed his three point shot. But do do we really? I mean, do we need a another power forward? You know, we got Patrick Patterson, we got, you know, Jeremy Grant, we got Carmelo, we got, you know, Nick Collison, if anything. I mean, yeah. Um, Josh Eustis can play the four sometimes. I just, I, I'm, just, I'm very disappointed as far as our inactivity, as far as, and, and I say that not knowing what other teams were asking for. You know, I say that not knowing that, you know, maybe another team was saying, hey, we want Jeremy Grant and we want Terrence Ferguson. Yeah. And when I wrote out my article, I said those are the two untouchables right there. Because unless you were getting like some sort of big time superstar player, um, because I feel those two guys. Number one, Terrence Ferguson. I think once he puts on a little bit of NBA muscle, uh, gets into the offseason, gets into the offseason program, and gets a little bit of muscle onto him, I think he's going to be a pretty good player for the Thunder, um, and he's going to be cheap. And so us coming up for these next couple of seasons, if we do sign PG. We're going to be in luxury tax hell, yeah. and so we're going to need young players uh, that are making, you know, low low salary that can play. And so Terrence Ferguson fits that mold, um, and then Jeremy Grant also. I think Jeremy Grant is somebody that, in Robertson's absence, we've seen the last couple games that his value is so high, especially when you play against those Houston Rockets, <laughs> those Golden State Warrior teams. You know, against Golden State, he was a he was a monster against Golden State. You know, he, he showed what he can give you. 
Um, so I said those were the untouchables. So if teams were asking for them, then I could kind of see well, where. Reports are a lot of teams were asking about Paul George, and he was just completely oh, yeah, off yeah, the table. Oh, yeah, yeah, off the table. Which makes sense, um, considering some of the comments that he's had and stuff like that. And Also, you want to see how this team rides out, because mm-hmm. as of right now, we're 5-0 and against the big dogs, Yeah, right, which is Houston, the Golden State, and the Cavs. Mm-hmm. So you want to see how we're this actually we're we're six and two against against let's say so there, we're six and two against Boston, Toronto, Cleveland, Golden State, Houston, and San, San Antonio. Antonio. So we're six and two against them. Right um, now, the one San Antonio win one it was against their G League team basically because they sat everybody out. Um, but still, you know, as far as record wise, that's not something to be taken lightly. You know, we we do show up for the big games. Um. We we do, you know, we show up for the big games, the smaller games. Sometimes we don't show up, and it comes back to bite us in the butt. And it may come back to bite us as far as playoff seeding. Um, but we do, you know, we are going to be a hard out in the playoffs regardless. Yeah. Um, if we got all those guys there, and so so, and it's not something that we didn't really talk about. What what are your feelings about, you know, now that the trade deadline's over, but the the rumored Paul George for Blake Griffin deal that was on the table. I was not a fan of that deal. Why not? Here's why I'm not a fan of that deal. I would love, don't get me wrong, I would love Blake Griffin here at Oklahoma. Mm. The guy went to OU. You know, he's beloved here, and that would be awesome. He's a good player. And I I can only imagine the lobs that he would be getting from Russell Westbrook. Mm. Like, those two would literally be competing for a dunk contest every night. Okay. But they just signed him to a five-year, $175 million deal. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's been known, and he hasn't been healthy in years. Yeah. He hasn't played a full 82 games. Or, hell, he hasn't played a full 75 games. Uh, and that just is a concern to me. I get that. I get that. A lot of his injuries have been fluky. A lot of his injuries are a teammate diving on his knee, him punching out a training equipment guy. Yeah, but him punching out a training equipment guy over an alleged – I mean, people do stupid stuff. I'm just oh. like, that's, just, <laughs> that's my, not encouraging. Here's my thing. And, and, and I look at this now. I look at this in the eye of – I look at this through the point of view of looking at Paul George and some of the comments that he's made here lately and, and where, you know, give it about a month ago, you know, everything he was saying was a lot more positive-centric towards Oklahoma City as far as, you know – you know, whenever the the All Star games a snub happened, yeah, and he was like, you know that, you know my guy Russell Westbrook, right. you know he didn't have to do that, um, but that was great, and that's you know that makes my decision a little bit easier. Remember that comment? Mm-hmm. Um, but then we kind of fast forward to number one, the little West Coast trip that we had to Golden State in L.A. Uh, this past you know this this past week ago, and then also the All Star game being in. Los Angeles and him actually getting to participate in it because of the injury to was it DeMarcus Cousins I think that he yeah, took over boogie. um and so basically his tone has I don't want to say it's completely changed 180 it hasn't you know because the thing is in being so open he's also said that basically he has not made a decision so he's basically so his comments every, every one of his comments can be kind of boiled down into this small these small sets of, of sentences still haven't made a decision. I like it in Oklahoma city. I like playing with Russell and Carmelo, but I have to do what's best for my family. I don't know if I'm signing in LA or anywhere else. 
That's basically, if you boil down all his comments these, these past week, that's basically what they boil down to. And that doesn't sound very positive for Oklahoma City in wake of Los Angeles clearing out so much cap space for this offseason. And so that Blake Griffin deal, yes, he's a little bit injury-prone, still a good player, almost you know, kind of on the precipice of being a great player, and you would have him and Russell for the next five seasons. No questions asked. And so you, can, you have your core, you have your nucleus there, and then maybe you can start to build pieces around those two, and you have five seasons to do it. That's the only thing that I kind of saw from that deal. Well, here's the thing about that, right? So Paul George's comments, they're right on the nose for me because at the end of the day, everybody still wants to be courted, right? Yeah. He wants he's basically going out there making it known like, hey, this ain't a hundred percent deal. Because in the in everybody's eyes, if it's a done deal, mm-hmm. they're not even gonna bother, you know, buying you flowers or bringing you chocolates, right? Yeah. If they know if that you it's give it up on the first date, <laughs> is what I tell my yeah. if you give it up on the first date, you know, why does he have to treat you good after that? Exactly. I haven't so, told my daughter that she's just you know, she's just twelve, but right. something I might say. Yeah. So I think he still wants to be courted, even if Maybe in the back of his mind, he knows that, you know, damn it, this is probably going to be the best deal. Mm-hmm. So put that aside. Even if we resign him, Blake Griffin was traded once. What's to say he couldn't be had again? We get rid of this Carmelo contract. Mm-hmm. Griffin's got two, uh, four, maybe three years left on his deal. Yeah. What's it, That frees up $28 million. What's to say we couldn't trade for him and get him then? I, ha- I have a crazy prediction. I have a crazy prediction. I predict that Detroit will get into the Eastern Conference playoffs and they will upset their first-round opponent. Whether that's Boston, whether that's Toronto, I think they're going to upset their first-round opponent because I like the combination of Blake and Andre Drummond better than I do Blake and DeAndre Jordan. I just think it's – I think – I think – Andre Drummond is is has more tools in his toolbox as compared to DeAndre Jordan. Mm. And so I think those two are going to be your Boogie and Anthony Davis of the Eastern Conference. And I think they're going to give teams that. problems over there in that I conference. But I think I think that what's to say that that Blake Griffin couldn't be had after that. After in, in 2 to 3 seasons you know, in about or, 2 years. You know, let's say Melo for some reason, decides to opt out, that money comes freed up. What's to say that we couldn't make a deal? <laughs> Melo's not opting out oh, of $28 million. I know, uh, <laughs> which is what I, I've been saying for a while now. Uh-huh. But I'm just saying, what's the, let's say in a in a weird, weird, a weird scenario that happens, what's to say Blake Griffin couldn't still be had? That's true. I mean, that's, that's very true. You'd have to trade. You had to trade pieces. That's the only problem. But that's okay. You trade some pieces and you st- – you, if you trade some pieces away and you still have Steven Adams – that's Paul George, Russell Westbrook. You'd probably have to trade Adams to get Griffin. Well, not necessarily. I think there's some younger. You, I think you could. You might be able to get. Remember about matching salary though. Well, he's making I, about. He'd I, be making about twenty-seven million. I think you can trade some younger guys and some draft picks. Still got to match salary. Yeah, yeah. We're not like the thing is, and that's one of the things that I wrote during this trade deadline is I wish we had a ba- a big bad contract that was expiring. You know, like some some player that. We made a mistake on a year ago, right. and he has twelve to thirteen million on the final year of his contract that he's not playing with us hardly. 
I would have loved to have had that asset in hand to use it on a trade, but we didn't have that. You know, we have <coughs> our top tier players are all making a whole bunch of money, and then our bottom tier players are only making you know one point five yeah. two, and so it's hard to k- put a deal together, even a deal for say somebody making eight million dollars. It's hard to put it together when you have you know smaller numbers and you don't want to trade your top dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I mean. I, I guess looking at PG's comments, you know, and him being so honest, it still makes you a little bit worried. You know, and and he's no NBA player is going to say, I've made my decision already. I'm going to stay in Oklahoma City. No, no. But I I think the thing that kind of worries me is that he keeps on saying, I have to do what's best for my family. I don't think his wife is an Oklahoma City type person. I think she's more of a. Hollywood glitzy type. Wasn't she on a show? She, I'm not sure if I've ever I seen was, I think she was one of those girls that was on like the basketball nah. wives on VH1 or nah, something nah, like nah. that. Um, but I think she's one of those types of girls. And I think those types of girls like to be in L.A. They like to be in New York. They like to be in Miami. Um, so it's just something to kind of watch out for as we head forward. Uh, some some other Thunder news just here and there. So Westbrook and Melo still kind of injured. They didn't. They didn't practice today, uh, so they both sat out the the Lakers game, and it was ugly game. I mean, it was just you it know, was pretty you, bad. You had PG, you know, playing his role, but all the other role players were kind of having to, I guess, pick up the slack, pick up the slack, and they didn't do a very good job of it. Yeah. Um, so, and and one thing that you kind of notice in that game is the lack of a third point guard. You know, whenever. So, you know, of course, Felton started that game. Right. And whenever he went to the bench, they didn't have anybody. Well, I think Abrinas was running point. Yeah, Abrinas. Jeremy Grant was running point. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's how bad our ball handling situation is whenever you have Westbrook out. You know, if, if Felton has to start, when George goes to the bench and both of them are out, you literally have nobody. And the, and the, and the thing was, you had Daniel Hamilton, who's one of our two-way players. He was available, and he played a little bit. But, first of all, a two-way player, you can't use him in the playoffs. So, it doesn't really make any sense to give him a whole bunch of minutes. Um, but it's, it's just like the, not having a third point guard. This team loves to have a third point guard, regardless of the situation. And so, in this buyout market, I, I have a – not a prediction. But don't be surprised if someone named Samaj Kristen – comes back and signs with the Thunder for that last spot, for that last roster spot. He was in. He was seen in Oklahoma City a couple of days ago. You don't think Norris Cole's still available? Gosh, no, man. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here, here's my thing with Samaj. He's not. He's not a backup point guard for a contending team, which is what happened last year. But as a third point guard an energy guy, maybe somebody that you bring off the bench to defend somebody. I could think of a lot of worse players to take that position. And he's young still. Yeah. So I know a lot yeah, of Thunder, I know a lot of Thunder fans don't necessarily agree with me. I know a lot of them are like, oh God, you know, not Samaj Kristen. But I looked at Samaj and Samaj that last year was his rookie year. And he was thrust into this perfect storm of number one Durant leaving, number two Russell Westbrook, you know, being the guy on this team, 
And so he was thrust into being the backup guy whenever they, whenever, you know, Cameron Payne went out with the injuries, whenever they cut Ronnie Price. And so it's not really a, a position that you want a, a rookie point guard to be in. Um, so don't be surprised if that 15th spot is filled by Samaj Kristen. You've heard it here, folks. You heard it here first. All right, so a little shoe talk, you know. So we got a couple of shoes coming out that might be of interest to Thunder fans. So, so this is your department. Yes, this is my department. <laughs> um, so I'll, I, some of these I've seen on the Sneaker Reporters in between his Facebook and Instagram. But shout, I'm shout out to Sneaker Reporter. Right. I've also been following this and stuff like that. Okay. So you've got a lot of uh, – and Nike's dropping a lot of shoes during the All-Star weekend. Mm-hmm. So uh, of, the, of the signature shoes that you'll find, uh, Kevin Durant has a signature shoe. Uh, Kyrie Irving is going to have a signature shoe. Russell Westbrook's Why Not 0.1s, the white and black ones, drop on the 16th, which is that All-Star weekend. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you have PG2 dropping his Palmdale, which is where he's from in California, uh, dropping his signature shoe, which is also going to be uh, highly limited as well Uh uh, during during that weekend. And then, of course, you have um, LeBron dropping his 15s. Um, All-Star Weekend, and then you also have him dropping his Zoom Generation 1s in a wheat color. Mm-hmm. I know that... Um, are, those, past- are those the soldier shoes, or, or did yeah, they have the, a third line? Well, no, now? the Zoom Generations were the first shoe that he wore, uh-huh. uh, which was just basically that Zoom Generation shoe. They tweaked it up a little bit and made it a LeBron shoe, and then from there, okay. it, it formed into the Zoom Generation, the soldiers, and all and his signature line, which is usually what Nike does with their athletes anyways. They'll take a shoe, modify it a little bit, and then from there, you know, year two is when you see more touches and stuff haven't, like that. Haven't they done that with, like, the Jordans where they did the uh, Air Force One combination with the Jordan? Right. Type? Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, speaking of Air Force Ones, you have a lot of Air Force Ones, a lot of women Air Force Ones mm-hmm, yeah, coming out. colors. Uh, well, in this one, they're all white, but they're different. Some uh-huh. don't have a check mark. Some are, you know, thigh high with the oh, special really? forces boots looking style. For, um, for the ladies that listen to the podcast. Yeah, for all the ladies out there. You have your typical Harachis, your regular Air Force Ones. Uh, but a lot of the NBA signature shoes are pretty, pretty awesome. I know Kevin Durant's already had like a white and black version drop a little while ago. And mm-hmm. then he's got his um, KD-10. I hate that his shoes are so nice. Yeah, they are really, really <laughs> nice. I, um, I do like his shoes. I do, I do like the design of his shoes. So um, you've got a lot of sneaker shoes coming out uh, during All-Star Weekend. And so Paul George's uh, PlayStation shoes are coming out soon, right? His PlayStation shoes come out tomorrow. Tomorrow. Um, and then uh, and then the following week he'll have, of course, his Palmdales, his PG2 okay. Palmdales coming out. Um, so you've got a lot of – how do you feel about – uh, well, I have two questions. One, how do you feel about a lot of the all-star versions of shoes coming out? And the second question is, are you a fan of uh, players wearing shoes that have absolutely nothing to do with their team colorways? Uh, so so question, question number one, how do I feel about the shoes that are coming out? Right, like are you a fan of all-star weekend type shoes? Yeah, oh yeah, I am. I mean, it's, it's a – so Christmas time. You know, as far as Adidas, when they had the jerseys, you know, they took advantage of that to right. come out with a with a completely different jersey that they could sell. Started in 2012. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And Nike didn't take advantage of that this year, but I'm pretty sure Nike will eventually take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have no problem with a player coming out with a an all-star edition of his shoe that's just basically another colorway. I mean, right. it's just, I mean, in this generation of shoes... It's all about the it's, colorway. It's all about the colorways. It's all about matching it to the outfit that you want... And it still has the name of that player on there. Right. 
Uh, so I don't have a problem with that. So the second question was: Are you a fan of te- of players wearing shoes that are bright pink and their team colors are blue, white, and red? You know what I mean. It just kind of now if you're doing that every day, no, I, I do have a problem with that. I, I I I just think it looks it looks tacky. Well, you know, we go back to like Jordan's rookie year; he was fined almost five grand every game he wore those band air uh the uh jordan ones which were basically they had too much black in them mm-hmm. you know yeah no and like i saw who was it was it terrence ferguson was wearing some neon yellow or neon green right. uh right under armors uh-huh. a couple nights ago and it looked it looked okay but i don't think i'd want to see that every game i just see I, i've seen i think i've seen jimmy butler do it once or twice um, I've seen other players, and do I saw Cat do it with the uh, the Morkin, not Morkin Mindy, but no, uh, Rick and Morty. Rick but and Morty. The, the, here's the, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but I'm okay with like funky colors on special nights, but it's just sometimes it just throws me off that you're wearing like a bright pink shoe, mm-hmm. and you're you're the Orlando Magic. You know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. No, like, now, now if you have something, now here's my thing: if you have something behind it, so if you're wearing a pink shoe because you want to show. You know, support towards breast cancer awareness, and maybe you had, you know, maybe that player had a situation. Maybe they had a, a parent or a, a family member that passed away because of breast cancer. I understand that, but if you're just doing it just to show out, I do have an issue with that. Like if you're doing it every night, now not, not just on back to cat. What I like about Cat is that he does his customized shoes, mm-hmm. but they flow with the color scheme of his exactly, team. Exactly, exactly. So he had the slime color, but that slime color kind of looks like the green that, right. that Minnesota he had. He had the Dragon Ball Z ones, uh-huh. and then he also had the Rick and Morty ones. But they all flow within the color scheme of the jerseys that he's yeah. wearing it. So I'm definitely a fan of that. I like to see uh, – I like that he's showing his personality mm-hmm. on his shoes and stuff like that, but it matches with the colorway of the of the teams. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I, but I, yes, if you do it every night, I, I think it looks tacky. Now, let me ask you this: I saw this article, and I meant to bring this up to you earlier. But so Forbes released a list of the top NBA teams for 2018, as far as monetary wise. Yeah. Do you know what the number one team is? The Knicks. The New York Knicks currently valued at 3.6 billion. <laughs> okay. A lot of money. Uh, do you know who number two is? Uh, the Lakers. The Lakers currently valued at three point three. Mm-hmm. Number three, Chicago, Golden State, Golden State, yeah, valued at three point one. Um, number four, Chicago, Chicago, two point six. Number five, Miami, Boston, Boston, okay, two point five. Uh, number six, Brooklyn, two point three. Uh, number seven, Miami, Houston, uh-huh. two point two. Number eight, Miami. Los Angeles Clippers, two point one five. Oh, 2.15? 2.15. Billion. So it hasn't gone up. So it's gone up. No, no, I'm just saying. Okay, yeah. No, no, no. He bought it for two point one. Yeah. So it's only gone up five hundred million. Seven uh, percent. Okay. In a one fine. year span. Uh, number nine. This My, one was kind of surprising to number me. Number nine. Okay. If it's surprising, I'm gonna say Dallas. Yeah, Dallas Mavericks okay. at one point nine million. And number ten. Miami. Miami. Yes. <laughs> at uh one point seven. So I, I know Oklahoma City was number eighteen in that list. Yes. Okay. So. So here's my thing when it comes to that. So I, I think I think Oklahoma City is okay with going into luxury tax hell for the next maybe one to two seasons because they bought the team for three hundred and fifty million twelve years ago. And so it's gone up to what is it, one point two five. One point two five billion dollars. Million, yeah. Um so as far as the investment goes, you've made a lot of capital. You've made a lot of money on that. And 
at the same time, the Thunder have been very fiscally responsible up to this point. You know, they made it a point not to get into luxury tax for James Harden. They made it a point not to get into the luxury tax for Kevin Martin. You know, they didn't start going into the luxury tax until... What is he doing? Who, Kevin Martin? Yeah. I think he's retired. Either that or he's one of those players that just hasn't been signed. Like, I'm, like San Antonio will sign him at the end of the season like, for You know, for maybe we need to call roster. him up. Uh, maybe, I don't know. But, uh, you know, so I, I think, I think the, the owners of the Thunder, Clay Bennett, you know, et cetera, are okay with having to pay, you know, a $100 million luxury tax bill for this next two seasons because, number one, their investment has paid off as far as the team goes. Right. And number two, they have been fiscally responsible these, for these past 10 years that the, that the team has been in existence. And so, you know, everybody kind of craps on them throughout the years for not, you know, pushing the, uh, the right. payroll up to the point where they go into the tax. But whenever we get to a situation now where, you know, we have the ability to sign a Paul George, we have the ability to allow Carmelo to, to get into his, uh, his player option for $28 million, the reason why is because we've done so much stuff the 10 years before that. And so people don't see that sometimes. But, you know, it's, that's, that's what it is. And, you know, that's the reason why Oklahoma City now is spending so much money. That's the game within the game. Exactly, yeah. Um, so coming up this week, so we got, we got uh, Memphis tomorrow in Oklahoma City. Uh, we got Cleveland on Tuesday. It's a national televised game. Yep. And then we got Memphis on Wednesday at Memphis. And so then after that, we get into the, uh, into the All-Star break, and then we don't play again until, what, the following Thursday, I think? Yes, um, that's correct. So, yeah, so I, I, hope, I hope we finish out strong. Um, you know, like I said, Russ and Melo did not practice today. That doesn't mean that they're going to be held out tomorrow. Um, but it's just something that you uh, kind of look out for. So after the All-Star break, we we on the road on Thursday at Sacramento. And then we play And then Golden Saturday State. night is Golden State. Yeah, Saturday night game. Um, so that's, about, that's basically it for the Thunder. You got anything else for the Thunder? Mm, no, that's okay. it. Okay, I want to move on to some, uh, some NBA news. <laughs> All right, so not a lot necessarily you know you had to trade that line you have you know a couple buyout signings here um coming up but i mean not really too much going on as far as news wise um for the league but i do want to kind of focus on the standings and so in the west number one houston is a full game back of the warriors so that's kind of surprising to me um but what's kind of worrisome to me is the west team's four through nine, they're all separated by two games in the loss column. That's how close yeah. the four through nine slot are. You know, so that's something that... Like we're talking about Minnesota, Portland, Oklahoma City, Denver, New Orleans, and then the Clippers. And then the Clippers. Nine. The Clippers are number nine right now. Um, but that's kind of worrisome because if you do start to have injury issues, if you, stu- you know, if, if let's say Carmelo and, and Westbrook have to sit out, you know, I don't know, these next two games, and they lose these next two games. That's the two game. That's the two games in the loss column that we're talking about. Yeah. So there's a possibility we may, you know, you can slip out of the playoffs. You can go down to the number eight seed, number seven seed, things of that nature. Um, so it's just something to watch out for. It's something that in the West, unfortunately, you have to keep on winning. So 
the um, eight and seven and eight teams. Mm-hmm. So Denver and New Orleans are only a game and a half back from number five seed. Yeah, which is Portland. Which is Portland. Portland's tied with us, right? But they own the tiebreaker because, because they, they beat, beat us. They beat us two games yeah. out of two, I think. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah. So I mean, the the West once again is the West. I mean, you have to keep on winning. There are no nights off in the West. Um. And if you do take a night off, you know you're at the the per, the the peril of, you know, another team catching up to you. Yeah. Um. And then in the East right now, Toronto's number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is surprising to me because, but again, it looks like Toronto has played about four games less than Boston, if I'm if if I'm not mistaken. So Toronto is thirty eight and sixteen, which would be fifty four games, and Boston is forty and seventeen, which is fifty seven. So, so the, three once again, left. three games more. It, st- it still baffles baffles me that up to this point in the season, you know, the teams are still you know separated by three game type thing. Boston's only a half a game back from the number one seed. Yeah, exactly, because they have one more loss than Toronto does, but Toronto has, like, two less wins or something like that, right? right? Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, just something, once we get past the All-Star break, you're literally looking at basically two months left in the season. So if the if the playoffs were to start now, mm-hmm. you're looking at Toronto, Boston, Cleveland, Washington, Milwaukee, Indiana, Miami, and Philadelphia would be the eighth seed. And really? Detroit is the ninth seed. How far back is Detroit to Philly? One and a half games. They're going to they're gonna close that gap. One and a half games. So who, who's Detroit the, is 27 and 27. Uh-huh. So the eighth, the eighth seed team is 28 and 25. They're only three games above 500. Wow. What about uh, who's number seven? Uh, Miami. Miami's number. They were just number four a couple days ago. They're number seven. Indiana jumped them, um, and Milwaukee jumped them, and Washington jumped them. Wow, the whole trust the process, and you know what's well, his name talking so much junk. Well, look at Indiana. They're number six in the West. Yeah, right I know now. in the East. Yeah, in, and well, in the East. Um, so all this, you know, and you know, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be an exciting finish, and unfortunately, I think. Once again, I think injuries are going to play a part in this. I think I think there's going to be one or two more injuries that basically set the stage for what the playoffs are going to look like coming up in the East and in the West. You know what's funny? What if if Miami can move into the sixth spot and the top three stay the same? It'll be Cleveland, Miami. It'll be Cleveland, Miami in the first round. <laughs> that, that would be funny. That that would be hilarious. But like I said, I see Detroit. You know, mess around, mess around. But let's say Boston gets the number one seed and they face. Um, Detroit in the well, first I round. If I think if if Toronto goes against Detroit, that could be an upset in the making. I think if Boston goes against them, it could be an upset because Boston struggles with interior defense, with interior things, rebounding, um, you know, things of that nature. And I think Drummond, a combination of Drummond and um, and Griffin, will punish them inside enough. Will Detroit have enough three point shooting? Will they have enough perimeter play to keep over Boston? That'll be the real question. Yeah. Um, but you know it will be. I think it will be a difficult. The out matchup for to watch in the first round is going to be Milwaukee, Washington. Yeah, you know, it'd be so. <laughs> I mean, I don't want this to happen because it would completely just rack my nerves getting there. But uh, a Golden State, Oklahoma City first round matchup that would be just a little bit crazy. I think. Yeah, that, I mean that would be one for the ages. But uh, as it stands right now, we're looking at San Antonio. And you know we haven't played San Antonio that much. We we got two more games coming up. I think we play them in March. Um, and so, but the thing with San Antonio is, 
the whole Kawhi situation, man. Is he, yeah. is he ever going to come back? You know, you you just have not heard anything from that camp. Honestly, if you're asking me, I think you stick a fork in him. He's done for the season. You think he had surgery maybe for that quad? And- I I just think I just think it's one of those situations where I think he's just going to sit out a year and then next mm. year he's just going to be like a spring chicken again, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, so what's your feeling on before we go? What's your feeling on Isaiah Thomas? As far as him being on the Lakers, like, so you you've already told me you don't think he's getting that Magic well, deal. Well, well, here's here's the funny part. Uh-huh. Isaiah sees himself as a starter. Okay, Magic has already said he's coming off the bench. Lonzo's our starter, mm. so Isaiah's going to be the sixth man, and I think that's a role that can fit him, considering that he's still working back into shape. Yeah. And 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 Magic has already said, you know, he sees um, a possibility for them to both be on the floor at the same time. Mm-hmm. No, they can. I mean, Lonzo's big enough to be a two guard, right? Um, but it just seems like Isaiah is on a scorched earth with everybody. He just seems because a little bit, he's he seems a little bit too full of himself <coughs> because know? of that one season. Well, he had, he had a, he, I think he had two All Star campaigns. <laughs> As I say, Isaiah Thomas causing you to get get asthma a little uh, bit. He had, I think he had two All Star campaigns there in Boston, and I think he got very full of himself. You know, it could be just. Little man syndrome, Napoleonic syndrome, where, you know, his whole life you've been told he's too small, and now, you know, he's basically at the top of the mountain when it comes yeah. to the NBA as far as making all-star teams and things of that nature. And so I think I think he needs to humble himself a little bit. I don't know. My thing is, is I'm calling it right now, and I've said this for a while, Boston didn't give you that big contract, and you freaking played the same day of your sister's funeral or the day, same day you found out your sister died. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston didn't give you that big contract. No other team is going to give you that big contract. You're not getting that max deal that you want. Yeah. And, I mean, it was a crappy situation, but he could have easily said, hey, my sister just died. I'm going to go ahead and kind of sit this one out. Or and a couple nobody, of nobody, nobody would have said anything about nobody it. Nobody would have. Nobody, nobody. would have. So you can't, you can't constantly bring that up in negotiations. You can't constantly bring that up in conversation and say, yeah, well, you know, I gave my all to Boston. I played, you know, when my sister died and blah, blah, blah. You know, that, that was your choice. You know, that was your choice. You know, it's just like anybody else. You know, it's your choice to do what you do. You know, you got to either live with the consequences or whatever, but you don't bring it up all the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's about it. You know, it's, we're heading into the all-star break here. You know, we'll have another um, another show here probably before <laughs> the all-star game. Right. We'll just recap the three games. Yeah, we'll recap three games, and then we'll kind of recap what happened during uh, all-star Saturday, all-star Friday and then give you a little preview of the All-Star game. But other than that, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you peep us on Twitter, um, AlexRoig underscore NTTB. And what is your handle? Montero underscore A13. Montero underscore A13. Make sure you look us up on Twitter. Make sure you follow us. Make sure you send us some questions. Um, Didn't have any questions this week, but I did kind of send out the the reminder here a little bit late, so that was my fault. Um, And then also make sure you uh, give us a review on iTunes. Five-star review if possible. Those really help us out as far as the ranking go. Uh, but just, you know, whatever you want to leave, if you want to leave some comments to help kind of be constructive criticism type thing, that'd be great also. But other than that, we will talk to you guys next week. Have a good one.